1 John chapter 2 as we continue in our series on the first epistle of the Apostle John. We're in chapter 2 and uh, we've gotten to verse 24, so that's where we'll begin this week, the Lord willing, but uh, we will read the entire chapter. So if you would read in your Bible along with me as I read it aloud. This is the word of the Lord, chapter 2 in 1 John. My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. As I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. 
But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Thus far, the reading of God's word. You know, we uh, have been talking about a lot about abiding in Christ, and uh, of course, this uh, this chapter and uh, talks a lot about uh, in abiding in Christ, keeping His commandments. It doesn't use exact same words that have been used in other places in Scripture. Uh, vines and branches, but it talks about uh, he that says he abides in him in verse 6, ought to so to walk even as he walked. Um, and of course our, our quote in the uh, in the bulletin I thought was particularly apt uh, from Sinclair Ferguson. In a nutshell, abiding in Christ means allowing his word to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections. In other words, our relationship to Christ is intimately connected to what we do with our Bibles. And of course, we read that earlier this morning. I found another interesting quote uh, on that same subject uh, about abiding, particularly with the branch of the, and the vine and the branches. Remember, we talked about that. Um, from Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. He says, the branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here to seek for sunshine and there to find rain. No, it rests in union and communion with the vine. And at the right time and in the right way is the right fruit found on it. Let us so abide in the Lord Jesus. Isn't that great? branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here and there to seek for sunshine and there to find rain. It rests in the vine. And at the right time, in the right way, is fruit found on it. And that's how we should abide in Christ. Verse 24, where we stopped, Let let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. A lesson here, which we uh, alluded to last time, is that truth is not to be exchanged for novelties. He's saying, if what you've heard from the beginning, that is the gospel, shall remain in you, you also shall continue the Son and the Father. It's so easy for us to go off on tangents, particularly if we don't know our Bible, uh, to go off. Somebody says, oh, well, you know, some cult leader or some cult movement will say, well, you know, uh, this is the way it should be. I remember... uh, uh, one time I was uh, uh, very much a babe in Christ, uh, living in an apartment, bachelor, and a, a friend of mine got involved with a group called The Way, if you're familiar with that, uh, Victor, I can't remember his last name, uh, but this was a big movement at one time. And I went to a meeting of that, they, had a, they tried to convert me, and even then the Lord protected me, because uh, they, they were just a, a wacky cult. And uh, But if you don't know like I did, I didn't know my Bible. You know, I just I, I wasn't going to a Bible church, uh, any Bible-oriented church at all. I was just kind of reading what I could. I was reading the scriptures and, and going to, went to... I remember I didn't have any Christian friends. I went to a... Uh, uh, I just decided to read the Bible. And uh, I went to a, quote, Christian bookstore. 
locally. I was living in Lyle, Illinois. And I didn't know anything about what books to read. No, I didn't, none of the authors were familiar to me, not even famous ones like C.S. Lewis. I'd never heard of C.S. Lewis. And so I'd walk in, but I knew enough to pray and ask the Lord to, to guide me to the right books. And he guided me to some fantastic books, C.S. Lewis among them, uh, but uh, helped, helped shape my, uh, my views. But the scripture pretty, pretty much shaped my views because I judged these books by what I read in the scripture and not, didn't let them tell me what the scripture said. But we have to keep, our, keep, keep watch. We always have to keep watch because, uh, number one, our nature is corrupt, and number two, Satan is out there trying to deceive us. Uh, and that combination is deadly uh, if we don't shore it up by the Word of God and have the Word of God in our heart, uh, which will protect us from all errors. Um, and that, that what basically what that is, uh, it, it goes along with verse 25, it's perseverance is what we're talking about. In verse 25, this is the promise that he has promised us even eternal life. We're talking about perseverance that is stay, staying in the faith constancy in the faith. And we can't have constancy in the faith unless we stay in the Word of God and we surround ourselves with with fellowship, with Christian fellowship. Uh, He's teaching us that all who have been born again will persevere in faith and good works until their deaths. Now, does that mean every day we do all good works and we have total faith and we never fall into a valley of despair? No. No Christian has ever lived that way. Uh, But we persevere. We get up and we dust ourselves off and we persevere in faith and persevere uh, in good works. Uh, and he says in, in 19, uh, he, when he talks about the Antichrist, uh, these were um, basically Gnostics, uh, as far as we know, uh, that once were part of the uh, disciples, but they left. And he says, well, if they, if they had been faithful, they wouldn't have left in the first place, so that proves they were not part of us again, uh, at all. First uh, John two twenty four and twenty five emphasize that we t- must take an active role in our perseverance. We can't just sit, sit around and expect God to do you know let go and let God. Uh, if a farmer wants corn to grow in his field and he's a believer, does he say, "Oh, I'll stay in my house and read and read the scriptures and pray and the Lord will grow me a corn crop." If he wills. If a corn crop doesn't grow, the Lord doesn't will it, right? No. It's not how we approach our Christian life either. Well, if God wills it, you know, he'll he'll make me study the Bible and he'll make me go to church and uh, you know, he'll make me do good works and I don't have to No, that's God uses means and you're one of the means. Just like a farmer has means. He has a tractor and a plow and he has buy seed and fertilizer and the Lord provides rain or in some cases uh, uh, the Lord doesn't, and there's irrigation, but the Lord provides the, the water underground. But my point is the Lord provides means, and that's what we have to do in our Christian life. Use the means that he's given us. What are, what are the means? The gifts you have. All right, number one, you have physical gifts, you have eyes, and you have a mind that he's given you to be able to read and understand the scriptures. You know, he doesn't infuse it into your brain without you having to read it or hear it preached, right? So those are the means that God's given you, and he expects you to use them. And you'll be called, the scripture says we're going to be called to account if we don't use the, the gifts that God has given us. Uh, you know, you don't want to say on the last day, well, Lord, yeah, you gave me eyes and a brain to understand all this, but uh, I didn't use them. I didn't study the word. I just thought well, if you wanted me to know the Bible, I'd know it. How do you think it's going to go over? 
I don't want to be saying that. No, the Lord's not going to think much of that argument. So we had, he says, study the word. He commands us to study his word. He commands us to fellowship with, with Christians. He commands us to pray. And if we don't, that's no excuse. Well, it wasn't your will, I guess, because I didn't do it. No, that's not going to cut it. Perseverance. It says in verse 24, we must let what we've heard from the beginning abide in us. Uh, Now, he gives us words of assurance. For example, in verse uh, 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So that's assurance. Uh, He says, uh, I write unto your fathers, uh, young men, you've overcome the wicked one, uh, etc. In 21, you know the truth. Uh, so this could it would be easy for us to say, well, I'm assured, you know, I'm 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 saved, and and uh, I realize that uh, you can never lose your salvation. But John is saying, true assurance must is is going to result if you constantly pursue truth and holiness and right living and good works. Your assurance comes from that. I, I look at it this way: if you if you weren't actively studying God's word and and trying your best to be holy and to do good works I don't know that you would have assurance of faith because you'd look at your life and say well I know that I know that these are things I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not doing them so does that mean maybe maybe I'm not saved after all so there's a you know James talks about the relationship of life and works you know show me your Show me your works. Embolishing himself, but anyway, James is saying, "Prove your faith by your works," and he he denies that there is such a thing as faith without works. Flatly denies it. Not that your good works save you, and we all know that, but it's they're the result of your faith. They're the outward working of your faith. So if, if you, he says, "Show me somebody who says they have faith, but they don't have any works," uh, and I'll show you my faith with my works. I'll show you someone who has faith. So he says, heard what, we, what we've heard from the beginning abide in us. The basic truths of the gospel, justification by faith alone, uh, demonstrating your faith through your works, uh, we have to cling to these. Um, well, we can go on. In... Twenty-six and twenty-seven. These things have I written unto you concerning them which that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. Again, abide, 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 abide in him. You know... During the uh, Reformation and afterwards and before them, so I shouldn't even say during the Reformation, before the Reformation, after the Reformation, um, Roman Catholicism did not want people to study the Bible. Uh, they They didn't want it translated into the language of the common people. They persecuted people, as we know who did that. Uh, Wycliffe was so hated for producing the first English Bible. Uh, uh, they couldn't get to him while he was alive. He died. He was summoned, but he died uh, as an old man. Uh, and 
but they hated him so much that after he was dead and buried for a number of years, the Pope ordered his grave dug up and his bones burned and scattered, uh, the ashes scattered uh, in a river, River Severn. And uh, that's how much they hated anyone who would make the Bible available to the common people. Uh, so as a result, that's how they control people, because the priests could then tell the people what God wants. Well, God wants you to give half your money to the church, or God wants, God will uh, get your grandmother out of purgatory if you give us enough money to build St. Peter's and this kind of thing. And we've talked a lot about that. Um, it, th- this says, you have no need that anyone should teach you. Does that mean that uh, the church, uh, we don't need teachers in the church? I mean, that, that is a that is a, uh, a, a common thing in, in verse 27. You need not that many men teach you. And some cult leaders have, have said that. Well, uh, you can just, you can just uh, uh, pray and let the Holy Ghost uh, tell you what is truth. Okay. Uh, is this passage saying we have no need for teachers? Well... Think about it logically. We have a letter where John is teaching us that we don't need teachers. Okay? I mean, that's, in logic, that's all self-refuting. How can a teacher tell you you don't need teachers? Well, if I don't need a teacher, then I don't need to listen to this, right? This teaching. But that, that cancels that out, that I don't need a teacher. And it becomes an endless logical loop that you can't get out of. No, it doesn't mean that we don't need to have teachers. That would be ridiculous. It, It means that the Spirit of God will lead us into recognizing truth and be able to distinguish between what's true and what's false. Uh, While those who left, the Antichrist, as he calls them, did not have that. They didn't stay in the word, and they were thrown apart by every wind of doctrine. All He's saying all believers have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They don't need any mediators other than Christ Jesus, the one mediator between God and man. It doesn't mean we have no use for teachers, but we, we test teachers by the word of God. Okay. We test teachers by the word of God. I mean, the scripture says we need to have preachers preach the word. Otherwise, how would people hear it and know it? So we have to have preachers to to preach the word of God. And the scripture says that uh, men were given to explain the word of God in their own words to people. What does this passage mean? Well, this is what it means. But then you go back and you test it. Remember Paul in Berea, he said the Bereans were so... Uh, he commended them so much because when he preached to them, they went back to the scriptures to see if what Paul was preaching was in accordance with the scriptures. And he said, that's a wonderful thing. He said, they were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica uh, because they checked what I said, an apostle of God ordained by Jesus Christ personally, Paul says, and they checked to make sure what I was saying is according to the scripture, and that's a good thing. But it doesn't mean we don't need teachers. Of course we need teachers. Uh, but we check what every person tells us is scriptural against the Holy Scripture. And Scripture says that the Holy Ghost will guide us into all truth. So that's how we understand Scripture. Uh, and it's, of course, attacked uh, 
quite often as saying, well, you're anarchical, you're anarchical. And it's interesting, though, if, if their charges were true, that you need a church structure and priests to tell you what scripture means. Okay? And without that, you know, well, you've got these thousands of denominations and all that. Uh, well, number one, isn't it interesting in the unity of, of the Christian church? We have a, we have a unity in the, in the Christian church of people who believe the same things. Oh, we have differences in mode of baptism. Uh, we have differences in, in interpreting Revelation in the last days and Daniel. You know, we have other differences in some ways we worship. And we have our arguments as to why we think what we do is biblical, and they have theirs. But the core beliefs, beliefs about the Trinity, beliefs about Christ, I'm not talking about cults and things, uh, and I'm not talking about liberal mainline churches, but you know, basic Bible-believing churches, we all believe the same thing about these things. And in, 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 in general. And that's, that's an amazing thing, because it refutes what what Roman Catholicism and others, Orthodoxy, would say against us. Because if, if we had... They say, well, without, the, without a priest, you just believe anything. But isn't it amazing that millions of people believe the same thing without a priest telling them, or without a church telling them structure what to believe? So this is the, of the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. Uh, it says, believers have an anointing that means we have no need that anyone teach us. John MacArthur says about this, I don't often quote uh, Dr. MacArthur, but uh, in this I think he's right. He says, John is not denying the importance of gifted teachers in the church. And he refers us to uh, a couple of 1 Corinthians 12.28, Ephesians 4.11, stressing the need of teachers in the church, but indicates that neither teachers nor believers are dependent on human wisdom or the opinions of men for the truth. God's Holy Spirit guards and guides the true believer into the church. God's Holy Spirit guards and guides the true believer into the church. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate source and guarantor of truth, not the teachers who explain his word or the believers who affirm it. And I would add, nor creeds, confessions, and catechisms, as faithful as many of them are. Uh, They are not the ultimate source and guarantor of truth, but it's, it's God's word and the Holy Spirit applying it to us that is. It says, the anointing which you have received, we share in Christ's anointing, in verse 27. And what does that mean? Well, Christ had an anointing, uh, and we have an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Anointing means uh, being, being uh, uh, anointed with oil, as we talked about last time. Uh, we are anointed spiritually by the oil of the, of the Holy Spirit. And the grace of God is often referred to as oil in the scriptures. Uh, so we must also share in his prophetic, priestly, and kingly offices in some way as Christ does. And that's the Heidelberg Catechism, question 32, addresses this. Uh, it says we confess Christ's name, and when we confess Christ's name before men we act as prophets declaring God's word secondly we present it says present your bodies as living sacrifices 
we present our bodies to our creator as living sacrifices so that's we are a kingdom of priests who sacrifice ourselves in thanksgiving to him uh, and you can read more about that in Romans uh, 12 1 and 2 and finally we take up the armor of God against his enemies Christ, uh, Christ's enemies, the devil the world we fulfill the kingly role the dominion covenant of protecting, enlarging the kingdom, of bringing all the world into subjection to Christ and that's how we exercise our kingly role It abides in us, in verse 27. Christ's Christ's, uh, um, anointing abides in us. Um, Where we are. Let me uh, me go on to verse 27, I think, at this point. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue. We're talking about abiding, but um, let's go on to verse 28, brother. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Abide in him. Abide, abide, abide. This Again, this perseverance or constancy. Um, and he says, well, there's two reasons here. That when he shall appear, we shall have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Okay. First of all, he takes for granted that the Lord Jesus is coming back. That's not a question. Uh and that was part of this truth that he talks about that you've heard from the beginning and when he shall come again he will be uh, before everyone uh, it will be a, a public event uh, you know, when, he, when he came the first time as, as a man, Jesus Christ he came basically privately if you will he didn't appear in the sky before the whole world invisible he came from a woman's womb, uh, born in a stable. But when he shall come again, he shall come in glory to judge the world. And every eye will see him, and every knee shall bow. And those who are his people through, and who have been persevering, again, as John says, throughout all the temptations of life, will have confidence, assurance, and joy in the sight of him. As, as Matthew Henry says, they shall lift up their heads with unspeakable triumph as knowing that their complete redemption comes along with him when he comes back. On the contrary, those that have deserted him shall be ashamed before him. So as John alludes to in verse 28, they shall be ashamed of themselves, ashamed of their unbelief, their cowardice, ingratitude, temerity, and folly in forsaking so glorious a Redeemer. They shall be ashamed of their hopes, their expectations, and pretenses, and ashamed of all the wages of unrighteousness by which they were induced to desert him. He will shame on his second coming all of those who have abandoned him, 
He will disclaim all acquaintance with them, will cover them with shame and confusion, will abandon them to darkness, devils, and endless despair by professing before men and angels that he is ashamed of him. What did he say to those who come to... What did Christ say when he said, Well, there will be some who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in thy name and done all healings and all sorts of wonderful works in thy name? And what will he say? Depart from me, I never knew ye. Go jump in the lake. Go fire. And that's what we are to, to, to persevere and to remember, as John says, so that you won't be ashamed before him at his coming, at his second coming. And that, that, that basically that's abiding in Christ. That's abiding in Christ. Verse 29 actually introduces chapter 3. It could have been put in as verse 1 in chapter 3. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. Personal righteousness he's talking about. Holiness uh, as the mark of one who's born again. Uh, In verse 28, we were told once more to abide in Jesus, to stay in Jesus. Uh, And... That differentiates, interesting, in verse 28, it's talking about the practice of personal righteousness and, uh, as, as 29. But in 27, it emphasizes the belief in apostolic doctrine as what it means to abide in Christ. So verse 27 talks about doctrine, and 28 talks about personal righteousness. Uh, although you can't distinguish between the two. We can talk about them separately, but life and doctrine can never be separated. You can't... If you don't have right doctrine, you don't know how to live rightly. Do you? So you can't separate those two. Uh, you know, some people say, oh, doctrine, oh, I don't want to know about doctrine. That's so intellectual. You know, just give me live. I want live. Well, you can't have live without right doctrine. It just doesn't work because you don't know the truth. You don't know what love is. You can't define love without it. You know, if somebody says that to you, you say, well, how do you define love? Well, it's, it's loving everybody. <coughs> it's, it's being nice to everybody. Just like Jesus. He was nice to everybody. Was he? Was he nice to the Pharisees? Did he say, oh, I love you Pharisees. Please come to me. No. No. You can't no what is what does the Bible say love is? Well it's definition in many places. Uh, doing God's will toward toward your fellow man is love. You know, the basis of love, number one, is you don't kill other people. Okay, so that's a, that's an expression of love for other people. You don't murder them. Right? You don't steal from them. You know. And on the positive side, you do things to help them. You know, somebody's in trouble, you help them as best you can, as the Lord has provided. So this idea of separating love and doctrine, love and law, sometimes another word for doctrine, can't be done. You try to separate them, you'll look very foolish. So they they can't be separated. And... He says in verse 29, since you, if you know, the word really probably should be trans, it means, it doesn't mean if in, in the sense that we sometimes, as conditional. It means since. 
So the, the sense of it is, since you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. So it's he that does righteousness, same as, as somebody who abides in Christ. Uh, you have to be born of him. You're renewed by the spirit of Christ, created, as Ephesians 2.10 says, created in Christ Jesus unto good works with God hath foreordained that he should walk in them. So since you know that the Lord Christ is righteous, you can't but know that he who by your continued practice of Christ, when you are, of Christianity rather, that you abide in him, then you know you're born of him. The new, your new spiritual nature is, de, is derived from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so your good works give the evidence that you are born from above, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are the children of God, as it says in John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And that introduces chapter 3, which Lord willing we'll get to next time. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Father, we live in a world of, of temptations, of difficulties that uh, our heart deal with, Father. Uh, we, we have the temptations of our corrupt nature. We have the temptations of uh, Satan. We have the temptations of the fallen world around us. And all of them are, are pulling at our, 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 our shirt sleeves and saying, Hey, you know, do this. Do that. Things that we know are wrong, but we fall to temptation, Father, sometimes. And uh, one of the marks we know, Lord, that, that we have faith and we are saved is that when we fall, we are sorry. And we do not want to sin. Uh, we want to please Thee. Not that by living a good life we'll be saved, but... Rather, because we're saved, we want to live a good life and we want to do the things that thou want us to do and not do those things that are evil. Uh, but sometimes we fall to temptation. And, Father, we can see the difference in us and those who are not saved uh, because uh, many times they don't seem to even care. Uh, they're happy about being in sin. Uh, we know that down deep in their hearts they, uh, they, they, they are not, but they cover that up with worldly entertainments. Uh, but uh, Father, we uh, we thank Thee that that is a, that is a testimony to our spirit, the Holy Spirit testifying to our spirit that we have a conscience and that we've offended Thee, and by that gives us assurance that we are the children of God. So, Father, we thank Thee for that. Lord, we uh, continue to pray for uh, Beverly's mother, Susan. Father, it's a trying time both physically and mentally for the whole family and for her particularly. And, and uh, Lord, uh, we humbly beseech Thee that this, uh, this be a minor condition, be a treatable one, and that Thou would uh, uh, use the means to uh, treat her and uh, to make her well. Uh, physically and spiritually as well, Father, and to make this a time that uh, is a spiritual blessing upon her and and Beverly and Jim and all around her, Father, that that all of their faiths and ours would be strengthened uh, by by this situation. Father, we continue to pray for Susan Gerasi, who lost her husband, Joe, uh, who is now in the arms of Jesus, and we thank the Lord that she has such strong faith. That uh, Thou hast given her, and that she is able to, uh, with with the faith that Thou hast given her, that she can glorify God, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. 
in this very, very difficult time. Father, we uh, remember Karen, uh, radiation next week. Lord, again, uh, the same prayers for her and her family, uh, that their faith would be strengthened and that this be a testimony to thy glory. Father, we uh, continue to ask for rain. Uh, we continue to pray for rain. And we that is our fervent prayer, that uh, Lord give us good, gentle, long rains. Uh, now as we uh, prepare to... Uh, for the Lord's Supper and fellowship, Father, we ask thy blessings upon us. Protect us as we uh, in, uh, prepare for the Lord's Supper. Prepare our hearts for it, Father. For it is in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.